Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Copysmith. Copysmith is this incredibly cool Alberta-based company that got on my radar about three, four months ago. What they do is they use cutting-edge AI technology to help you with your copywriting. That can be ads, it can be you know product descriptions, it can be emails, social media posts, even blog copy. And I know recently they just added a feature to help you with your landing page copy. So this isn't just for marketers. This is for anyone where copywriting comes up on a daily basis, which for many of us is frequently and also can be a bit intimidating. If you're not a writer, but yet it's something we have to do and we have to do well to get our messages across. Having a tool like this really helps you get that first draft, gets you started, gets you 80, 90% of the way there. It really drops the intimidation factor and gets things rolling. So if you're curious to learn more and you want to take technology out of this cool realm of something you heard about to actually a practical use case, check out Copysmith. Their platform is, like I said, I've been using it for about three, four months personally, and it has been beneficial on multiple occasions. So copysmith.ai and use the promo code collision for 30% off any of their plans for the first three months. So I find myself here on a Friday afternoon having a good old-fashioned chat with Mr. David Lowe, Executive Director at Victoria Park Business Improvement. How are you, David? I'm doing well, thanks. It's uh, Thanks for coming on the show. I like Again, selfishly, I get to have the most unique conversations with the most unique people that help me to learn so much more about my city. And my office is located in Victoria Park, and so I'm, I'm technically a part of that community. But to say I know what's going on or even understand kind of what the future plans are, I, I wish I did. I'm, I hope I will after this call. But from your perspective, you've been at this role for about 14 years. So maybe just tell us a little bit about what is what goes on in the Victoria Park. First of all, what, what's the geography of where that actually sits, just to give a, yeah. everyone an idea they can put their head around it, and then we'll unpack yeah. it. What what is Victoria Park? And mm-hmm. and so the, the, the formal boundaries are, are basically from Second Street Southwest to the bus barns and the rivers to the east. And so we do encompass a big a bit of a chunk of the stampede grounds. Uh the the casino is uh is part of our our BIA. And then uh north uh tenth Avenue and then south to seventeenth Avenue. So we're kind of this big giant square. Okay. Uh, in the on the eastern tip of the Beltline, that's a lot of just picturing it. that in my mind. That's a lot of diversity, like from like you said, the casino and what's happening around Stampede to kind of pushing up to the edge of Seventeenth. Like that's a lot. You guys encompass a lot. There's a lot of variety in there under your preview. <laughs> yeah, tons, and we are uh, one of the most diverse areas in the city in terms of land uses. And by land uses, I mean what you are legally allowed to do. So we have everything from light industrial to food manufacturing to auto body to multinational corporation to high-end clothing store to some of Calgary's best restaurants and bars. Um, and then residents all mixed in into this, into this thing that we call Vic Park. So it's it, it very, a, very diverse. Is that just a, a cause and effect of probably years of like mixed use and like the city having different priorities and different proximities of where people live versus where they played and versus where an industry kind of pushed right up against the railroad tracks kind of thing. Like that feels like it's a remnant of a long historical evolution. <laughs> it, it is. And you know, the, the, the very first CPR station is at the corner of first street and um, ninth Avenue. That's where the first station was way back. If you imagine the prairie, nothing, there was a little shack there. And, yes, and that yes. was it. And then the area got shaped. Calgary got shaped by the tracks. So the main line came through. And then the spur line, the, the line that they loaded the freight off of, mm-hmm. is down 10th Ave now. That was 10th Avenue. And if you look at all the warehouse buildings in, the, in what they call the warehouse district where you live, yep. um, you can see the loading docks that used to be there. And, and that's a, a residual of the horse carts coming in to pull the freight off the trains and the spur line. And so that shaped the, the, the bones of the area. And then, because this is pre-car, right? You got to remember that. So Vic Park and Inglewood sort of morphed into these areas. Vic Park was kind of the upper middle working class area. And Inglewood was more of the blue collarish area. And so that helped shape 
the, the, the way it's formed. And that's where we get some of our DNA from in terms of that mashup of uses uh, that, that we see, because everything was, had to be walkable. So you had, um, again, your manufacturing capacities, and then it slowly oozed out. So then they moved the, the manufacturing and the heavy stuff into Ogden. And then um, people started moving further and further away, like Lougheed House. That's where the uppity-up folks started to move, <laughs> right? Yep. And, and that's, how, that's how Calgary was formed. But we were kind of ground zero for that. And that's, that's part of our DNA uh, now is that, that it, you know, mixed use of, of everything. And, and also a little bit of Wild West. Um, you got to remember that there wasn't a whole lot there. I mean, everyone remembers, or some people remember, if you're old like me, you know, going to the stampede and it was this dusty parking lot land and guys waving red flags going, here, park here, 20 bucks, close, you know, stuff like that. I mean, that's, that's what the area was. And then we, in the, in the last boom, you know, that started in the, in the uh, early, mid 2000s, we kind of became the wild west of, of redevelopment, you know, the big condo boom and, and mm-hmm. things like that. I mean, at one point we had more square footage being built than New York. Um, it was, it was bonkers, uh, for, for a while. So the Victoria Park that we kind of think of today when you drive around, that really was kind of mid-2000s, to your point. I think for any of us who've been here, I, I moved here in 2000, and you're right, I remember the first time I went to the Stampede, I had exactly the experience <laughs> you just described as someone like the first time in Calgary, like, well, we got to go to the Stampede, and you're down there, and you're skip parking some sketchy back behind some house jammed in with, anyways, yeah. But then in, yeah. in the mid-2000s, when it was literally like Crane Central, everywhere you looked, that's all you could see. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and that's where things really, really kind of took off. And, and, you know, there's one quote that I learned from my colleagues in Vancouver is never underestimate the power of people moving in. And that's, that's kind of what happened in the mid two thousands. Just, just boom, you know, condo, condo, condo tower, lots of, lots of big stuff, uh, being built and, and was a, a central to kind of re catalyzing the area because it wasn't a happy place for, for quite a long time. I mean, right. the, the, the residents that were there, um, you know, a lot of uncertainty around the future, stampede expansions and things like that. And, you know, our, our residential population was, was pretty thin. And then, you know, we, we started building condos and, and that kind of changed, uh, was a tipping point in a way, um, to where we are today. How do you, I'm assuming for like you've been there 14 years, there must be a constant juggling act. And we'll talk about kind of the future and where things are headed, but there's got to be an interesting juggling act when you've got that many diverse stakeholders. And I think you see jurisdiction, like there's so much challenge now about land use versus like a well, residential move in and they want it a certain way, but then other people are still trying to run maybe more blue collar like auto shop businesses and train yards. And that's a pretty interesting mix for everyone to ultimately, let's be honest, get along. <laughs> Yeah, and and it's a challenge and it's an opportunity. And and I I have a really neat video that I took from the last time I was in New York, and it's literally funeral home, auto body shop, super high end restaurant, nightclub, residential building, um, grocery store, and it's it's all mashed up into one block. Like it was just insane the amount of stuff there, <laughs> and it's that diversity that I think is a is a real strength. And and yeah, having people get along because. Calgary's become really, really good at segregating uses and users, right? Like you go recreate over here. You want to recreate, go to Nose Hill or the bike path. And you live here and you make stuff here and you work here. And most Mm -hmm. modern cities really don't work that way or the cities that we love. Like we love New York. We love Paris. The the cities with the personalities, right? Exactly. The cities with the personalities. And so we've kind of become the antithesis of the very things that we like. In when we travel, you know, so really interesting. (laughs) We we we're funny that way as a as a city. We've we've gotten really good at that. So part of my work has been absolutely juggling that diversity and making sure that that everyone gets along and and plays nice in the sandbox. And you know, they see it time and again in in cities where you know it's kind of old and sketchy, and then the artists move in, they make it cool, and then. The, the folks want to live there because it's funky and then they get old and cranky and then they kill off the entertainment because yeah. they don't like it. Right. And so what, what we're really mindful of is, is trying to thread that needle 
between diversity and and having everyone you know play nice in in a way to put it bluntly um but i think that's been um part of how to put it the je ne sais quoi of victoria park is that it is this very very diverse area and and it works and you know i'll, I'll give a quick example here so first street we actually have more than what's legally allowed in terms of restaurants and drinking establishments okay but it works it's amazing. We've got high-end cocktail bar, and then we've got little mini techno raver bar, and then we've got kind of blue-collar pub, and then we've got super high-end restaurant, and then we've got, um, you know, coffee shop, and and then it works. And, it, and it does. Everyone, it totally does. <laughs> it, it does, and, and it's really neat to, to have had a, a small hand in helping to curate that, that where it, you know, everyone is collaborative. Um, it's not as, as hyper-competitive as some other entertainment areas and are. And food and beverage is notoriously competitive. But everyone is like, look, what's good for me is good for my neighbor. And what's good for my neighbor is good for me. And it, it's, it's super fun to be down there at night because you just see such, uh, yeah, the diversity. You know, you've got the she-she folks, you know, sipping on the $20, $50 cocktails. And, and We're just going to go with overpriced because, yeah, yes, I, yeah. I may have sipped on one of those cocktails before. <laughs> no, I love it. But I've also had a Guinness across the street at the pub as well. <laughs> The smoked truffle oil, whatever it is, at shelter is, oh my God, it's so good. <laughs> Which um, right, but, it's funny. I never, I never, if you think of First Street and you think of cities like I grew up in Montreal, you know, love traveling, going to Quebec City, going to New York, traveling, what, but that mix of eclectic, like, you know, Irish pub on one corner and a high end cocktail bar on the other, that is more representative of some of those cities. And I've never really just put it, just, just did a one to one comparison in my mind. And I've known some of the business owners on, you know, that have been in, like, the owners of Foreman's, and they're like, hey, years ago, like, you'd show up to work and there was police tape outside. Like, this was not a friendly area. <laughs> and, you know, what did we do setting up our business here? But yet, we all got together and we really worked. And he's kind of shared that story with me a little bit about the police tape the first day. He kind of you know set up shop there. He goes, that was First Street, <laughs> not that long ago. I I remember Monday mornings, and a Monday morning started by learning who got shot on the weekend. Yeah, that's, that's a real that's, thing in your environment. That and, was and you've got, that was a thing. Yeah, and but you said so about mid two thousand started to see a big boom in terms of you know condos and people coming in, which drives traffic and drives activity. Uh, currently, obviously, you and I chatted before we hit the, the big, the big red record button. But you guys, because of a lot of diversity, is that sounds like it's helped you. Like, kind of, you boomed. Then Calgary downtown went through some real challenges in the last six years and is still in those challenges. But your uh, your area has been able to weather some of that storm because of the diversity. Yeah, I mean, monocultures in any system are generally bad, uh, and because of that diversity. You know, we've been able to, to weather the storm, so to speak, a, a little better than the downtown core proper, which, you know, you've got giant, I think right now there's four skyscrapers empty. Um, and the impact of that whole situation, <laughs> 300,000 square feet, I think is what it is. It's crazy. The amount of vacancy down there. And so we've been able to, um, you know, through what I like to call complementary and sympathetic uses um kind of even the keel so we've got little pods we've got the restaurant and beverage industry that is very again helping to keep some things going and the supporting things around that we've got um a little bit of a design architectural click in a way if you will so you know um some of of calgary's larger premier architectural and design agencies hide out in in vic park and and you know they they keep things going um you know, the IBM and Google, uh, they, they've, they're redoing their place, uh, right now and there. So big multinational folks. And all those folks have people or used to have people working in their, in their buildings. <laughs> yes. Uh, you almost have to take a pause for the last yeah, 10 months and go, okay, uh, well, extenuating yeah. circumstances. You know, aside for that little blip, um, which, which <laughs> has helped kind of, kind of even the keel. And then the, you know, the, the, the very site specific kind of iconic things that have, found niches and you know village ice cream you know people from all over the city will come there to go to village at that location at a dead end street when my, i'm good friends with the owner billy and when he put that business there and i went to see him i was like 
was like, hey, hey, man, I'm like, I'm not a real estate expert, but wow, this is going to be tough. And then you show up like six months later and it's lined up down the friggin' street. Anyways, yeah, I, yeah, I couldn't be more proud of what he was able to pull off in what would have thought against all odds at that location that he chose, but it worked. It's worked so well. <laughs> it, it is. And, and Billy and I have had a lot of conversations over the year. And interestingly, he just wanted to make ice cream. He didn't want to sell it out of that location. And I said, Hey, do you think you could put in a little retail window maybe? And he was like, can I do that? And I said, oh, damn straight. I'll help you do it. I'll yeah, figure it awesome. out. And then he was kind of bemoaning it a few years later going, oh, I don't know about this. And then he was like, there is something so magical about this place that it outperforms all of his other locations. <laughs> and yeah, amazing. So it's, 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 uh, it's even when you know it's there and you're like, you still feel like it's a find, right? You still feel like you yeah. found like when you're traveling and you find the back alley with the cool bar and the thing with no, with no name above the door and you know, and it's you and all the other tourists cause it's obviously online and that's how you found it. But, but you still feel like you found something special. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's those things that, that kind of add some really thick cords to the fabric of, of what we are. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, I mean, Bernard Calibo or Coco Co. I mean, you know, that's where you go if you want to get your really good chocolate fix. Um, and then, you know, all the other little places, you know, the Foreman's like, you know, iconic. If you want that sort of really unique, good clothing, that's, uh, that's a thing. And, you know, O'Connor's down the street too. And, yes, um, yep. so yeah, so it's that mix. You made a comment about, you know, just the way you said it about, yeah, if we're going to put in a window, I'll, I'll help you make it happen. As a, as a business improvement area, how much say do you guys have versus what the city has in terms of the businesses that can go in, whether they can put a patio that goes out onto the street? Like I know there's bylaws in place, but I'm curious just because I, I actually don't have any idea how much say does the, does the actual community have to say yes or no to things on their own accord versus where the city and the regulations and all the bylaws kind of come into play. Like what, what's the overlap there? Cause I'm assuming that can help or hinder you guys make decisions quickly that will benefit uh, the community. For sure. And I'll give you two examples or two answers to that. So, um, we are an official adjudicator in every single development permit application that comes through. So when Billy came knocking at my door saying, Hey, I want to make ice cream. I looked at a DP and then I, you know, my eyes are, Hey, what about retail? And he was like, Hmm, didn't think about that. Planning department didn't think about that. And then I, you know, help them stick handle cool. that. Okay, So you guys get really involved in those kind of situations. Absolutely. Yeah. Very, very involved. That's land use planning policy is a big chunk of my, uh, work program and, and bread and butter. And, you know, we're really concerned about what happens at grade. So I work with, you know, every single developer, every single, um, big building, you know, I've had something to do with the at grade look and feel of it, uh, up 10, give you an example, the art that's out front of there. Um, that was, largely are urging because it is such an important intersection. So for your listeners, if you're walking south on 1st Street, southeast, uh, and you hit 10th Avenue, you're going to see some amazing art as soon as you come out of the underpass. And uh, it was designed, I, I forget uh, the name of it, but it is incredible. And and that was a result of us working with the developer to to really... Uh, influence the quality of that inter- intersection. Um, oh, okay, so th- that it is it, it it is very symbiotic in terms of how you guys work together to really kind of curate the community and keep moving it. We're going to get into the future here in a second, but keep moving it in that in what I, I'm assuming is part of a bigger direction to 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 keep that uniqueness, like uh, the, the the je ne sais quoi. We're going to you know go down that road <laughs> for sure. Um, another example. So now in the COVID, you know, fire alarm gets pulled. We got businesses that are in trouble. Um, I had the ability to approve uh, patio extensions okay. for for all the businesses in Vic Park. So that was a a deal between the city and and us. And they said, "Look, if if someone wants a patio, you write the letter, and we'll we'll give it to them, or we'll massage it if if it needs." And and so that was another thing that we've uh, been a very very collaborative relationship uh, with. Uh, us and the businesses and the city in in that one and we're we're looking to make that better for for this summer because it was very very successful and hopefully something that we can stick because you know other 
quote modern cities you know have all these great outdoor cafes and patios <laughs> yes, yes, and yes. we're we're kind of weird about how we treat alcohol and things like that here so that yes i grew up in quebec which has a very uh casual relationship with alcohol and i move up here and i'm like oh, it's a little more for a city that likes to drink it seems to be also uptight at the same time <laughs> yeah yeah it's weird uh, that's a whole I know, that feels like another podcast for for another day but interesting to hear i'd, I'd always assumed incorrectly now that when i saw you know the business business improvement area that it was a little more just about the businesses and the commercial and like promoting and getting people to come down to the area it's it's interesting and good to hear that no no this is much more involved and we're are part of like it's a curated experience and we partner with the city we partner with developers we partner with businesses to make sure everybody back to playing nice together and ultimately creates a better environment yep yep absolutely and that's you know Hmm. some uh, there there's you know a gradient of bias uh in you know in the world in north america and and in calgary some are genuinely just in uh purely marketing things but for us, because of the of where we are and and the the mix, you know, we've got to be involved in in everything to try and, uh, you know, as you said, curate this this thing and be uh, an enabler of of good development and and good economic growth and change. Well, the right decisions, the right businesses brought in, like you know, for example, just let's pick on Billy and Village Ice Cream, like the amount of people that just brings into the community, you know, I would assume like that are going to go and see other businesses, and they're going to like you're bringing in traffic, which is you're, you're getting eyes, you're getting feet, you're getting bodies. <laughs> yep, absolutely, and that's 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 part of the game there, and you know, uh, Village has been you know a really significant anchor in the community for that very reason, and people come, they make that journey to that cul-de-sac, and then they look around and go. Hmm well, let's, you know, maybe buzz down to Central Memorial and see what's going on down there or, um, you know, interact with the the other folks in and around there or, you know, hop over to to East Village. I mean, it's not that far. Well, you've got that beautiful stairway now and you can walk down and the underpass is great. Like all that has been such a huge improvement in that area because before it was literally a cul-de-sac. There was was only one way in and one way out. It was tough. And so another, so interesting part of my work. So when when we were designing the 4th Street underpass, I was the one that said, um, I don't want to ride my bike on the road with a truck in the underpass. Can we put the bike lane on the pedestrian deck? And so those are the, that's the level of detail that, that we get into in terms of land use planning um, in, in the area. But it's funny, like you said, the level of, you know, it's down, it feels like it's down in the weeds, but yet the impact it makes six months later when now people can use it, it's, it's either being an enjoyable experience or being like, take your life into your hands experience. Like those are big fundamental shifts in terms of outcomes. <laughs> Huge. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, that you've heard it, everyone's heard it, you know, it, the, the devil's in the details or the God is in the details around that. Totally. So, yeah. So curious, obviously you've been on the same ride that we've all been on in terms of the economy. Sounds like you guys have weathered it better than like, a, like I really, like you said, the monocultures are usually more fragile. What's the future? Obviously we're moving, hopefully COVID is slowly moving behind us. I won't, I, again, I won't, I won't make any comments there cause I'll be wrong. But we're moving in a direction and, you know, the whole theme of the show is being bullish on Calgary, but doing it in a realistic way with an actual plan. So when you think about the future, which is, I'm sure, something you live in quite often when you're thinking about longer term planning, what's happening in Victoria Park? What's happening with Stampede, the connection into the East Village? Like, oh, God, there's so many things that I've heard rumors about that I really have no idea. Yeah, and this is the fun part. And we have an opportunity in Calgary with uh, some bits that very few other cities in the world have right now. And so what we have is a chance to design a culture and entertainment district built around some very real, solid, pre-existing assets. Hmm. And so the conversation and challenge that I issue to people these days, it's super fun. Where else in North America can you go and have three nights out, completely different, super high quality, totally safe, and walkable or in an under $5 Uber ride. Mm. So here's the thing. You're here, you're at the amazing architectural award-winning um, new BMO center. I mean, I, it's, it's amazing what's going to be doing there. Uh, I personally have had challenges with the Palomino or finding stuff, and but the redesign is going to be amazing. It's going to be iconic and and incredible. So you spent a day conferencing, do do do. You walk out with your friends. Hey, where do you want to go tonight? You look to the north. You see two examples of world class architecture: the library and the National Music Center. Yep. And you go, that looks pretty interesting down there. 
scoot down there. Your first night, East Village. Wow, that was pretty cool. River walk, scoot, some amazing food. Um, they've got a lot of things happening down there. Oh, okay, that was a, that was a pretty neat night. Second night, where do you guys want to go tonight? Oh, Google, Google. Oh, hey, there's like five of Calgary's top 10 restaurants in this place, Vic Park, just down the road. Um, yeah, do you want to hop down there? You end up on 1st Street or 10th Ave. And wow, okay, finish the night at, at Proof or Bar Vondefelds or something like that. You know, amazing. Hey, that was a pretty good night. Last night, hey, well, we're here. We, get, we hear about this thing called the Red Mile. Got to go down there. 17th Avenue Extension. Spits you out from there onto the, onto the Red Mile. Wow, that was fun. Great. Um, all super high quality. And we haven't even touched on leaping over into Inglewood or hopping over to Stephen Avenue. So that is going to be an amazing economic driver for the city. It is going to place us in the, in the top, I'm going to say top three uh, conference and entertainment destinations in North America. And the oh, Stampede, wow, that's awesome. I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that said before. That's right. So the Stampede, they are already booking eight years out for, for new uh, trade shows and, and things like that. Because those folks are always looking for the next cool place to go, right? So you can now, now they, you know, LA Live, interesting. Uh, once you're inside, once you leave, you want in your cab right away. Uh, Nashville, cool, bit of a monoculture. It's really food and beverage and entertainment orientated kind of thing. Vegas, mm, yeah, it, it's it's Vegas is Vegas. Um, I was going to say North, it's almost in its own. It's yeah, almost you can't even compare. Own, yeah. You're either into it. Vegas, you're either into you're it or you're not. Um, after New, three nights, I'm usually like, okay, I yeah. got to get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, I got to get out of here. New Orleans, yeah, Bourbon Street, yeah, it's but yeah. So so that's the opportunity that we've got yeah, as a, as a interesting city. when you, when you hold it up against some of those iconic examples. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and there, it is unquestionable and I'm not, you know, they, they have, you know, medical conferences and, and, you know, big, big trade shows that again are looking for the next cool place to go that, that checks all those boxes. You know, is it safe? Is it walkable? Um, is it interesting? And, mm-hmm. and we check all of those boxes and then some, so our that's that's kind of the eye on the prize, as I say, our future. Okay. And and you know, uh, San Francisco figured this out. Like, don't underestimate the power of a really strong and robust um, cultural and entertainment uh, economy in your city. I mean, they have uh, a nighttime economy mayor that looks after their their entertainment assets and, and things like that because it is such an important economic driver and then from there you know then it becomes kind of this this engine that drives things you know people oh it's 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 interesting we we want to be here and and then all of the um spin-offs to that the production services the the uh uh, specialized support industries around that. Um, you know, we, one of our best kept, see, you know, the, the, the film industry in Calgary is I think going to really take off, uh, once we get some of these things on the ground. And then the icing on the cake is we're finally going to jump into the modern world with the green line, which is going to be amazing once that gets in. And and we will get it. I mean, I know there's a lot of. I know there's, chatter. that's a lot of, that's another, po- that's another podcast episode to itself. It's another right? podcast. I, I'm, I'm, very confident that we're going to get it. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's the icing on the cake, integrated transit right there. Yeah. When you say the world about world-class city and a world-class place to visit, those things that you talk about, they're make or breaks, like the ability to get around. Like, again, I live here. I don't use transit. Any other city I go to, I rely on transit to be able to move around once I'm there. So, you know, when you talk about, and I've had some debates with some of my circles are like, green line, good, bad. And there's like anyone who's come from somewhere else or a bigger city is typically like, we don't really have, like, we need to find the right way, but otherwise we don't really have a choice. Like if we want to be a contender on the global stage, we got to, we got to get going on it and sure, yeah, you can get into the weeds and argue a lot of different factors, but not having world-class like transit system is a, is a black mark if we don't have it in the future. Yeah, hundred percent. And, and in the discussions I have with the, the downtown strategy team and, and other people, we just have to become ruthlessly tactical about what we do to amplify our strengths because we're in competition with everywhere else in the planet right now, even more than we were before. Yeah. I mean, and I, I say, you know, bluntly, What's the value proposition that we have as a city? 
Why, as a, as a young person graduating, do I want to stay here? Why do I want to work here? Why would I stay in Calgary instead of going to Vancouver or Montreal or, or other things? And we really need to amplify our, our strengths and our value proposition. And so here's, a, here's an interesting tidbit. Calgary outperforms every city in the planet that Lyme and Bird are in, in terms of scooters. Now, ponder that for a second. Every other city in the planet, we outperform. What's going on there about Calgary? I had heard that. I didn't know if it was an urban legend it's, or whatever. No, it's it true. true or no, it's true. It is. It is. It's true. And and we don't. We've got some ideas around that, but it's um it's an interesting thing, and I think we need to and we are uh, looking at how do we build on those things that we have, and and use that as as cornerstones for for reshaping the the economic engines mm-hmm. that that were you know oil and gas and the and the thing was you know come here make six figures live in a three thousand square foot house vacation in bc that was the thing um that, that was the promise you're absolutely right <laughs> absolutely and 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 now that's not it's taken us far too long to wake up you know six seven years that we've been in the dumpster fire. And so it's, it's trying to find that drive line out of there. Now we got to get out of the fire and, and, you know, I'll, I'll point to what we're, we're doing with Chinook blast. I mean, the, the festival finally bringing Calgary along into the, into embracing the outdoors in winter um, in a, in a really, you know, meaningful way. And, and, you know, don't underestimate the, the gestures or the power of, of doing things like that. Um, and, and I think we're getting smarter about that. Um, and again, because I said earlier, we're so good at segregating things that we haven't really focused on creating those unique, genuine, like, ooh, ah, moments in the city. Um, because folks will, they just travel to find them and, and we're, we're getting smarter about finding them or making them. It's in the segregation comment. Like I, I, I totally get it now that you've said it, but I never thought about it before. And even curious of like why, like what it is culturally that drives that, or why we do put this over here and that over there. And that is interesting versus you know a lot of the big cities that you talk about, the cities we love, we travel to just to be in the city. It's what you stumble into around the corner, and everything is kind of mismatched, and and that's what gives it its charm. But yet here, you're right. I never connected that that, that it was missing. But when you say it like that, I'm like, well, yeah, that actually, that yeah, that is the case. I'm just curious, but I mean, maybe no answer but what what it is our tendency that drives us to do that that kind of church and state mindset for this and that never the two shall touch (laughs) yeah i mean part of it is is that calgary has always been sort of a boom bust kind of heavy industrial city so some of it they come by honestly like there are some things that you don't want to live beside right (laughs) no that that, yeah that's fair (laughs) you want those in the foothills industrial park like that's that's a not a bad thing but um it, 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 it comes from that. It also comes a little bit from uh, our early roots as a city that was made up of tiny, tinier cities. So Boness, for example, was its own thing. Hextall was the guy that, that did Boness. And there's a land use covenant from Boness, uh, and it's quite cute. It says, no shooting ranges, fox farms, or chicken things. In the, in the in the area and 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 I mean they put that in because it was literally the wild west and and you could no I appreciate up, most laws or or safety messages or anything is because somewhere sometime it needed to be there <laughs> it, it did and so so some of it comes comes honestly uh, and then I think also it it comes from the analogy I use is Calgary's kind of like a giant mushroom that's been fed too much fertilizer it grew really quickly but it's hollow in the inside. You know, and, and I think in our haste to grow and, and pursue the 3000 square foot house dream, that segregation, uh, came into play because you need that real estate for the single family home. Right. And, and that, that's another, another factor 
factor. A lot that. of those other cities you're talking about, Montreal, you know, New York, they meandered over time. Like they had a much longer run to slowly evolve and the borough, be, or you know, this district, the meatpacking district then became the trendy place to live and then where the bars are. And, but that happened over like, you know, many, many decades where Calgary, it was kind of a fast forward because of that boom and bust cycle, I think a little bit too. I, I, it makes sense. I, I've never heard the mushroom analogy. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, we, we, we forget how young we are as a city compared to other places. That, yeah. When I moved here from Montreal, I'm like, where are all the older buildings? They're like, it's there. I'm like, that's not an old building. I don't know what you're like, where's the brick and the old like And yes, I had a bit of a culture yeah, shock from an architectural yeah. perspective when I moved here. Yeah. And, and so, and we had a bit of hubris too, because we, we did grow really quickly. We got really rich, really fast. And, um, what could go wrong? (laughs) Yeah. No, yeah. What could go wrong? And there's a joke. It's quite funny. It's, you know, you could make any deal you wanted and count on inflation bailing you out. And that's the way things used to run here. <laughs> I don't, David, you got some great one-liners today, man. I got to make some notes. <laughs> uh, this is just some fresh material I have not heard before. I love it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so interesting. And so from a perspective of like, I love the optimism. I love the excitement of like, because everything you talked about to me also starts to shift the narrative of the way Calgary's looked at from the outside. Someone comes here for a conference and they're like, wow, I had that three night experience that you kind of talked about. And something that's come up with guest after guest is like, we've got a little bit of a branding problem. Like people know us for oil and gas, which maybe is not the greatest thing right now. And I'm very pro the industry, but it does, it can be treated as a black eye or they know us for stampede or they know us because they went here on their way to Banff. There's more to it. And I love when you start to put pack things together and be very deliberate about it. Is there anything that's holding us back for that? Or are we just, are we, from your perspective, we're on the journey and now it's just a matter of time before that, that three night vision that you portrayed comes together. Yeah, I, there is, it's the sticky down, right? There's folks that want to still drive back to the future um, or, or hope that it'll come back. And, and I, yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard. Yeah, it's over guys. I mean, we're, that's a, that's a tough one. Yes, oil and gas will always be here. It will always be a thing, but it will never be the thing that it was. And and I think reconciling that is is uh, is tough. I think also systemically we have some really big challenges with how Calgary funds itself mm, okay. because we were so reliant on the on the the fat cats in the core to help pay the freight. And then the fat cats went away and now we got to start downloading onto the residents. So Calgary has actually one of the lowest residential tax rates in North America. And we got to wake up to that Mm. reality. No, because something has to pay for the party. Like, and if we're going to create all this economic driver, we've got to, if you, you know, if you build it, they will come. If you don't build it, they definitely won't come. So that's maybe a safer bet, but that the tax burden, that's a real thing because everyone wants a better, brighter, shinier city, but we don't want it to come out of our pocket. And like, that's like, let's be blunt. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's a, that's going to be tough. And so we've got some, a little bit of hard questions to ask and some tough decisions to make around, yeah, who pays the freight? And, and we don't want to flip into a decline, you know, Detroit situation. I, I'm very, we're, we're not there and I don't think we will be. I, I hear the, that comparison thrown around sometimes and I don't know a lot about it, but it doesn't seem like it's a, it's a one-to-one kind of way to look at it. It's a nice, no. it's scary. It's a scary kind of, you know, harbinger to put out there. <laughs> no, I, I, I think we've got enough uh, meat on the bone, so to speak, and enough industries mm-hmm. here that, that folks don't, I mean, agriculture is still a thing. It's, it is. It's, it's it's a significant, and if you're not involved, it's like it doesn't exist, but it does, right. and it's very yeah. it's very substantial. I agree. And and we make stuff here in Calgary that is amazing. I mean, the the armor at one point in time for the Apache helicopters was made in Calgary. Well, that's um, just that's just cool. Like let's be straight up about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that was a spinoff from the oil and gas industry. So yeah, they made this because, because of what they're inherently good at, right? Yeah, and and so there's there's a lot of uh, yeah, we got a lot of meat on the bone. I don't think we're going there, but. We, we did, we're in this shock phase of, okay, wait a minute. Uh, the main payer of the freight is no longer here. We've got the, you know, the downtown core, you know, contributed upwards of, or close to 40% of the overall tax revenue for the city. And we got to figure out how do we get out of that now? And, um, yeah, cause that, 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 those, that tax base just isn't there anymore. <laughs> yeah. 
So how do we reinvent that? And then it, it becomes an issue of working with, again, you know, working with people, the developers and the property owners and, and figuring out, you know, what can we do there? So the residential conversions is, is one thing that we're, mm-hmm. you know, we're starting to talk about, but how do we, first of all, undo what had been done in terms of the way things were built, because it was built around basically one industry. So how do we unravel that one? And then how do we reconfigure to a new value proposition for, you know, quote, Calgary 2.0? I hate using that, but, but what is that reinvention there? And I think, again, we've got enough amazing assets that, that are going to make it an attractive place to live. I mean, Calgary scores incredibly well on very highly regarded uh, livability and indexes. So the, the economy, the, the quality of life here is top, top shelf. Mm-hmm. It is, but, but yet we, we're still missing something, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, it is, it's, it's top shelf. If you like safe and secure and <laughs> no, fair enough. Yeah. Yep. But it's not top shelf. If you like world-class culture and entertainment, Yes, it's coming from Montreal. I did find a bit of a gap here for that. Mm-hmm. I think it's improved. It's improved drastically over the years. But you know, the vision you just portrayed about your three night stay in Calgary, we're not, we're not. It's not quite there yet in that way. It doesn't come together as tight as you portrayed it. But it, it, I, there are enough nuggets there. I think yep. to do that. No, I appreciate. I, I think back to the back to the optimism, but reality. We still got work yeah. to do. Yeah, no, no. We there are some things, and we we don't want to you know be trying to put lipstick on a pig here. But I think there are <laughs> enough enough you know, really great things. I mean, the, the Calgary's cycling network, it's pathways, the river system, um, you know, the, the, the quality of, of life from that perspective, I think we just need to help make it. Um, there's two things we need to become again, ruthlessly adaptive in how we reconfigure things. So let's look at the retail world for a while. Um, how can we short circuit that process from little person working in their basement to having their retail shop? Uh, and, and how can we enable that, that a little more, you know, conventional wisdom, you know, you sign a five-year lease minimum, that's scary as hell for someone wanting to get it in business. Yeah. So we gotta, we gotta, especially after the last 10 months, I think people are a little reluctant to sign any long-term anything's right now, <laughs> you know? Um, so how do we, how do we get smarter about that? thing and 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 you know the retail world is is going through a massive shift now with everyone just having stuff dumped on their door um but nothing is going to replace that that physical in-person experience of walking down a street walking into your favorite store and talking to someone and the folks you know there's more than enough meat on the bone if you have a really great product and good service you're still going to be there Nothing that's not going to replace Amazon ever. No, I've had some guests come on and talk about that. And you know, they he was, uh, I don't know if you know, Jim Hill from over at Inglewood and some of the projects mm-hmm. and buildings got over there. And he was quite opinionated on, like, you know, who sits around has everything delivered to them? 90 year old people. Do you want to be 90? No, get out there and experience your life. It was great. And I just loved his passion around, like, yeah, there's some convenience factors, but don't forget, we're still humans and we got to get out there and smell it, taste it, touch it, feel it. And you know, he was a big advocate for a really high, a positive, like you said, retail experience versus just you know a conveyor belt coming up to your door <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and and i think that's that's still going to be there i think we're, we just have to get smarter about it i mean the days of just yeah, opening it's, up it's, your it's getting redefined yeah. for sure mm-hmm. yeah redefining and and reimagining that is going to be uh to be super critical i mean and the next thing that has people really edgy is, is what is the what is the future of the office look like the future, the future of work is a question and an article. I'm reading all those articles and going on all those Zoom calls. It's like, what is the future of your work? You know, and you've got so much of the work from home that I think added quality of life. But I'm also starting to hear a lot of people like there's stresses and there's tension and there's like just like mental wellness that's being sacrificed because you're sitting in front of your same computer all day and not interacting with your coworkers in in the way you might have used to. I, I don't know. I think it's really interesting how it's all going to net out. I, I I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think the opportunity here is to knit together all of these different things. So we, there are some things that we are hearing about the workplace. So what is it that we're really missing? It's that water cooler talk. It's that seeing someone in the elevator thing. It's that sort of incidental contact. Yes. That is the the drive by the drive by chat. (laughs) Right. So moving forward, how do we come smarter about building that in to our workflows? 
and our, our, and our environment and being more intentional about that and, or even our public spaces for that matter. How do we, how do we do that? And, and, you know, we saw again, going back to the patios, the success of that project. So let's get smarter about the things that have been amplified by the pandemic and using that as an x-ray. I, that's the analogy that I use, you know, COVID in a way is, has been an x-ray and shown us our strengths and our weaknesses as a, as a city. And, and, you know, let's use that as a, as an opportunity to, to get smarter about how we, how we reconfigure, um, for the future. And I think that started with what are some of the barriers or things going wrong here that we need <laughs> to look at? No, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to use this flippantly, but the, you know, the never waste a good crisis kind of, or whatever version of that comment we've all heard. Right. There's a lot to be said, like, you know what, I'm not going to waste this. I'm going to come out and I've learned things and we'll do things differently on the other side. And, you know, there has been some breath holding in Calgary the last six or seven years of like, it's going to come back. It'll be better. But like you said, like I'm, I'm happy in a way that we've been into this forced change to look at things differently or when things are really good, you, 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 there's not, there's not necessarily the motivation, but I think we've had some pretty solid motivation to evolve and change. And it's, it is happening. Things have, things have evolving in the city from two years ago that, you know, are starting to like, I mean, you're starting to see a lot of little green shoots of ideas and thoughts that are starting to go beyond just ideas and thoughts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have a really, you know, that's one thing that we do have is that, you know, people, again, we're a young city and it takes, to grow a big forest, you need really deep soil. And the soil in Calgary is not that deep, but there are pockets of really, really rich soil. And the thing is, is how can we short circuit that? How do we build that soil depth? How do we uh, get the nutrients in there, the right ingredients, and and then move that forward? And I get asked all the time, you know, why can't we do things? I've got a lot of friends in the Bay Area, the Burning Man burners, they do yep, crazy yep. stuff. And again, I said, why can't we do that stuff here? And the simple answer is, is we don't know how to. We don't have the cultural assets and the depth in the artistic community to do that yet. In the Bay Area, they know how to do that stuff. We're going to take something out to Burning Man. Like, how do you rig it so that it survives 100 mile an hour? Like, they just know because they have the culture. That's interesting. We, we have the culture here in, in certain areas. Again, yep. oil and gas, transmission lines. Like, we know how to do that really well. We know how to do service really well. Um, we know how to do logistics really well. Uh, and I think what people aren't seeing, you know, I, I, I learned this. It's amazing that I finally learned this the other day. You get a dishwasher or something big that comes from China, lands in Vancouver. It comes to Calgary and then gets shipped back to Vancouver. The because transportation they, logistics hub that goes on here is one of the, is another industry that's way big. We, but people, we just don't know. We completely take that for granted. Yeah. That's an interesting one. And that's a huge thing. Huge. And, and yeah, I mean, you look out by the airport, all those giant buildings out there. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're, they're homes to stuff that's been shipped from Vancouver because it's too expensive to store it there. And it's cheaper to ship it back here and then ship it out individually to the best. Which seems so inefficient on so many levels, but that's another, again, that's another it is, it is so inefficient, but that's just the economics and, and the le- yep. that's what the scale is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, which yeah. speaks to a lot of the opportunities of where we are geographically and kind of like I like you said, like what we're actually good at. And there's so easy to talk about like let's be this or be that. How do we capitalize and grow on where our strengths are? Because arguably you'll get you'll get to your destination faster. Mm-hmm. I'm really optimistic. I really love your perspective on like just understanding the diversity in, in Vic Park and and what's gives it its charm and its strength and, and also some of its challenges. But also what I hear more is its opportunities for the future to to really continue to be that diverse cultural, economic, like you, you kind of, you're checking multiple boxes off in your, in your, in your environment. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think people forget, like, we're kind of that, you know, you park here to walk to the, to the game and the back when we used to walk to games and things yep. like that, we're kind of that jumping off point, that transition zone between Stephen Avenue and 17th Avenue between, you know, the, the rest of the Beltline and the, and the, and the entertainment area. And it's that, that zone that was so important in creating that super high quality experience because it's not just getting to the destination. It's the destination itself or the journey itself. Or the how, what's it? It's the adventure, right? <laughs> yes, and that's absolutely. kind of the space that we're, we're curating and that we're occupying. And I think, um, we we're in a good spot, uh, to, to leverage that. And it's, it's going to be good for, for everybody, uh, moving forward. Um, in the, especially in the downtown core, um, because we're, we're all in it in that respect.
Yes, we're we're not. No, no one's on an island, right? We're all, we're all joined. <laughs> David, I appreciate the perspective. You certainly, you know, gave me a lot more to think about uh, about that area that I that I, I I used to work in. I don't right now, but my office is still there and spent a lot of time. And man, when we first moved in there, there was the 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 one uh, one restaurant on the corner, and then then the keynote came in, and then you know everything started to grow and it really evolved. And you think about that time; that's only really been since like oh six oh seven, which is really not that long ago in this. Well, yeah, Santerra. I mean, that was like yeah. whoa, we've got. That was now. that was huge when that happened as a as, as a resident as someone who was working there every day. It's like there's now another option to go eat at lunch, but those little things make a huge impact. Sorry, it's, yeah. it sounds silly to say it out loud, but it wasn't that long ago that 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 wasn't like it. It was a, it was a dirty dusty parking lot. Is what it was. Yep, yep. I know that was a, that was a game changer. And the the little uh, sandwich shop in my building in the Canoff Center got grumpy at me because I didn't eat there for probably about a, a long time. Because I was going to Sentara for lunch now. Yeah. No, for, there's always somebody who's gets me. I get it for sure. But variety is the spice. No, I, I appreciate that areas evolved so well. But yeah, thanks for sharing your perspective on the show. And I think it you know just gives our audience an idea and an ability to look at that. And I think with some excitement, I'm left quite positive about some of the things and where it's headed. And I think they're all little snippets we hear rumors about, but to think about that whole district, if you just draw a line, even from stampede all the way to the river and kind of then widen that out, like just what, what I've heard is planned to happen there and talk about the library and, the music center, like these are world class. Like you would, if you went to another city, you'd go out of your way to go visit them. So if you live in the city, go down and go visit them, people. Like, like that's a nice thing that COVID did. I think it made us also appreciate sometimes our own backyards a little bit more. Yeah, hundred percent. We've got a lot of great stuff, um, and and it's easy to forget that. And sometimes people just people more often need reminding. Than, yes, than anything and so i think that's that's the great opportunity we all here. get our blinders on in our own city sometimes and it takes someone coming to visit so you can go see all the iconic stuff that's in your own town <laughs> oh yeah yeah i forgot that was there yeah no i love being a tour guide i love that it, it helps keep you in tune so yes it's it great. does and what's uh, if people want to learn more about what's happening in vic park uh where should they go website what did they should if they want to reach out to you directly what should they do Sure, a couple ways. You know, the, for the folks that are on their phones, just uh, our hashtag is uh, VicParkYYC on all the channels, so Instagram and and uh, Twitter and Facebook and all that good stuff. Uh, the good old www.VictoriaPark.org is sort of the stock website stuff, and that okay. that's kind of the meat and potatoes on that. And um, and then folks, if they they want, they can reach out to me direct. Um, david.low at victoriapark.org if uh, if folks want to reach out um, that's awesome. I always appreciate when someone's like, "Yeah, here's my email. Reach out. You want to? You want to chat? Give me, give me a buzz." Yeah, <laughs> I, I never over. I never underestimate the value of just just reaching out and touch your base with somebody. You can. You're always going to learn more than you think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. David, thanks for the chat. It was a real pleasure. Uh, thank you. It gave me a lot of really cool things to think about and kind of opened my eyes to a little bit more of like just how dynamic Vic Park actually is. I, I, I'm left thinking it's a little cooler than when I came in. So that's a good conversation on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> well, that's, that's great. I was super thankful for the opportunity. It's been fun. My pleasure. Thank you, sir. All right. <laughs>